from Studio 67 in Florida's Capital County. It's time to be fackish. Access granted. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode Week 7 of Fackish here in Studio 67 in Capital City, Tallahassee. This is Jeff Scala with the Florida Association of Counties Public Policy Team. I'm joined by the Fact Team, Bob, Eddie, and our analysts. How's everyone today? So happy to be done with Week 7. We've made it through Week 7. Still no budget conference, but bills are dying and things are heading to the floor. What do you think, Eddie? It's uh, go time. Right, we're coming down here to the wire, and uh, we're coming into the final stretch of session. Of course, we're we're past some significant deadlines of you know committees are stopped are are finishing up and wrapping up their work, and we're into the for, past the forty fifth day deadline. So we're in that twenty four hour notice period for House committees. So we'll be watching to see what is on the agenda for Monday and what's not on the agenda and stuck in committee. And as always, we're, we always start with a, a question of the week. And this week, Bob, question is, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, as we probably talked about before, Bob stands for birds or baseball. And so in this instance, I wanted to be a baseball player. Well, that's good. You didn't want to be a bird. Uh, baseball, uh, what, what position's that, Bob? Are you, were you, do you have been the first base pitcher, outfielder? Outfielder. Nothing was more fun to me than putting on the gas and running as far as you can, reaching out and catching that ball. Well, we know you had a long minor league baseball career, but we, we won't get to that today. Uh, Eddie. Uh, that, that is a myth that I've created. <laughs> Eddie. How about you? Well, I had two things that I wanted to do uh, when I was a kid. First, I wanted to be an Olympian in judo. Um, kind of got close, but no cigar. Black and belt. Black belt. I, I, I have my black belt, but not an Olympian. Although I did win uh, national championships. Uh, and I did so as a as a junior and as a young adult. So you let it up, lived up to so, it. Whoa. I, I, and I've got the trophies and medals to prove it. Uh, on a professional level, what I wanted to be was a police officer. And I also uh, I actually got accepted into the academy in 1982 for the city of Miami Beach. But um, because of circumstances and the fact that I wanted to finish my first semester as a junior in FIU and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I had to, you know, and then time that I had to report to the academy, uh, Destiny took its, uh, took over and I ended up staying in school, not reporting to the academy and later on becoming a lawyer. Not quite law enforcement, but dealing with the law in another way. Yes, our supreme legal eagle. And, and for me, uh, I feel like I'm living the dream kind of here today. I wanted to be a newsman, but more specifically, 
I, you know, broadcaster, I wanted to be the funny man. I wanted to be Jon Stewart and deliver some humor into the the news. But, you know, to hear and being on the back podcast, I feel like I'm living the dream here today. What do you think, Bob? I living up my dream? I, I think you're still young enough that that dream could come true, especially with these podcasts on your, re- on your resume. Shiloh, when you were younger, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a dancer, so I wanted to go to Juilliard. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. answer. How about you, Jared? Well, uh, growing up, I was really into Yu-Gi-Oh, Jeff, uh, and there are several like assignments from back when I was in like second, third grade, where I wrote that I wanted to work in a Yu-Gi-Oh factory when I grew up. Wow. Now, somewhere along the way, I realized that's probably a sweatshop. And so I changed my answer to doctor based so, on that. So kind of like a Pokemaster, you wanted to be the very best. I wanted Bob, to be the Bob best. Bob might not understand that one, but it's all right. And last but not least, Sarah, what did you want to be when you grew up? So I wish I had a more fun answer for this question, but I genuinely think I wanted to be a lawyer when I was younger. I'm pretty positive. It was destiny. It was. It was. Or a politician. It might have been that at a young age. Oh, that's not as, <laughs> that's that's not as good of an answer. We'll, it, I don't work. know why my mind thought that was a good idea, but I think I can hear Senator Sarah <laughs> in the making. Senator Henley. Ooh. All right. We, we've got a lot to get through, so let's get to it. Sarah, do you know? What time it is? It is rundown time. It's about to go down. All right, so we had a lot of bills up this week. Starting out, we had House Bill 569, local business protection by Representative McClure. We've been following these bills pretty closely this session. It was heard in its last committee, House Judiciary, on Wednesday, and it passed 13 to 7, and it has been placed on second reading. The Senate companion, SB 620, passed on the House floor in late January, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. HB HB 1555, private property rights to prune, trim, and remove trees by Rep. McLean and its Senate companion SB 518 by Senator Broder passed in their last committee stops both unanimously. FAC was in support of both of those and they were placed um, on second reading and the Senate was placed on special or the special order calendar for March 1st and SB 1380 and HB 219, the real property rights by Senator Rodriguez and Representative Tuck. Uh, the House was heard in its last commit last committee stop House Judiciary and passed unanimously, while the Senate version passed unanimously on the Senate floor this week. And both of these Surfside bills were heard this week. HB 7069 was heard on the House floor and passed unanimously. And the Senate companion uh, SB 1702 mandatory, mandatory building inspections by Senator Bradley passed unanimously in its Senate Rules Committee this week. So that will be uh, placed on special second reading. That's it for me. Thank you, Sarah. Thanks, Sarah. Yeah, a couple things on on that rundown. Uh, probably most significant of the bills is House Bill 569. That's a companion to Senate Bill 620, the one dealing with uh, um, 
the potential for damages, business damages, um, the enactment of a local ordinance. Um, that one is now prepared on the Senate floor and matched up to the uh, to the Senate bill, Senate Bill 620. Um, on the other big issue, 280 and 403, 403 has still not been heard. That's right. The final committee. We're waiting to see if that'll be in on agenda on Monday. Yeah. And uh, uh, just another comment, a bill we actually support within that uh, in that rundown with respect to the smoking bill. The butts off the beach bill, giving local governments the ability to ban smoking in parks and beaches. Yes, and I'll get to chew on that if I have a cigar. And cigars are still allowed on beaches. Okay, thanks, Sarah. And and just so that uh, our friends out there know that uh, on Senate Bill 518 and House Bill 1555, we did, uh, since those bills kind of walked back a little bit on the pre- current preemption uh, on tree trimming, uh, we did actually put in cards in support of those bills. And if you want to know a little bit more about what the bills do, please refer to Ledge Bill that's coming out today, uh, and you can read up. Yeah, and Bob, it wasn't just one, it was two preemption walkbacks from Tallahassee, so be sure to check those that's out. A, that's the start of a good trend, Bluto. Moving right along, Jared, our second analyst, do you know what time it is? Oh, it's rundown time. It's about in the world of uh, finance and tax, uh, House or House Joint Resolution uh, HJR one uh, and its uh, implementing bill fifteen sixty three passed on the floor on Thursday. Uh, this is obviously a, a bill that's been uh, pretty important to fact throughout this process. Uh, essentially, it would give uh, an additional homestead tax exemption to uh, certain members of the the critical what's considered the critical uh, public sector workforce. Uh, the House version of the bill also added, uh, expanded the the list of eligible professions to include paramedics and EMTs uh, with a recent amendment. Uh, So we will see how they, uh, they reconcile that in the Senate. Uh, the New Look House tax package, uh, HB 7071, passed appropriations uh, the other day. Uh, FAC remains a little apprehensive about just one specific section of the, of the package uh, concerning tax abatements for catastrophic events. Uh, essentially, the, the intent, uh, as we see it, uh, was kind of to provide relief for... Um, the little guy, if you will, you know, homes that are that are destroyed in a, in a fire or something like that. Uh, no one should have to, you know, pay property taxes while they're not living in uh, in their home once it's rendered uninhabitable. Uh, where we're getting concerned is essentially if a if a Cat Five hurricane were to, you know, wipe out a major metropolitan or, or suburban area, uh, it could have just a, a horrific impact on the tax base. Um, so we're hoping for some sort of fail-safe to trigger uh, wherein the, the state might step in and kind of help offset that that loss for the counties. Um, in the world of uh, tourism, uh, Senate Bill 434 and uh, House Bill 489, both on the, the tourism marketing program in Florida, uh, were both TP'd uh, and both are hoping to get another shot uh, on the floor next week. 
Uh, House Bill 777 on a local tax referenda uh, passed the House floor uh, 111 to 2. Um, this is a bill that uh, FAC has been chipping away at for uh, most of this session. Um, it's, it's a very well-intentioned bill uh, that would essentially make sure that uh, any any tax referenda have to coincide with a general election. Uh, the idea being that you know you get better turnout, uh, more people are aware of it at that point. Um, but unfortunately, uh, in the case of one specific uh, tax, um, the the millage or what we see as the emergency millage. Um, tax bills that have already gone out uh, for that. Uh, and so, you know, you might you might set a referenda for this. Um, and it's, you know, best case scenario, 14 months before you can actually address it. Um, so that's something that we do have cons some concerns over. Uh, shifting gears over to uh, health and safety, uh, House Bill 105 dealing with smoking regulations passed on the House floor. Uh, this is a nice little win for the counties. Um, they took out some, some prior language uh, that would have um, given the counties power to regulate uh, smoking outside of businesses in addition to uh, what was already there uh, with regards to smoking on beaches and, and parks under, under county and local jurisdiction. Um, the Senate version was TP'd this week. Uh, just one last thing to note, the language in these two bills is still ever so slightly different. Uh, the Senate version has a little carve out for uh, cigars and pipes, um, while the House version only mentions cigars. So we will see how they reconcile that. Thanks, Jared. Uh, just a couple more things. House Bill 777, dealing with local tax, tax referendum, passed off the floor of the House. Uh, and on the Senate side, its companion, Senate Bill 1144 by Senator Boyd, came out of the Appropriations Committee. We had awkward language on both sides to clarify that um, certain counties could still do a referendum uh, at a special election. And basically, there's some emergency millage authorizing the Constitution, and this, as a practical matter, negates the ability to, the general, to use it because the general election is too late to use it the year you need it. You can't schedule emergencies, um, but we could not get either the Senate or House sponsor to accept the language to this point. The bill's coming over to the Senate. It's still got to be heard on the Senate floor. And on the tax bill, when Jared mentioned it, I have a little post-traumatic stress disorder because I was the only person to speak against the House tax package in the, its final committee due to that open-ended liability for abatement. We'll be monitoring the tax package as it, it comes in for a landing, as it gets bounced back and forth, late amendments on the floor. Uh, so, of course, stay tuned on that issue. And, Bob, just to... Just a little mention here, I think we should probably petition the legislature to provide for PTS benefits for lobbyists that have to deal with all the stuff that they put us through. And that'll have to be a subject Let's, of a different bill. Let's narrow it to lobbyists that can't make campaign contributions. I agree with that. Two rundowns down, one to go. Last analyst, Shiloh, do you know what time it is? It's rundown time. Oh. 
can go down. All right. In the Senate, we had Senate Bill 1450, Healthy Food Financing Initiative Program by Senator Jones, which passed unanimously in the Appropriations Subcommittee on Agriculture, Environment, and General Government. FAC waived in support of the bill, and its companion passed last week. So we look forward to seeing what happens next week as they move along. In the Senate, we also had Senate Bill 1940, Statewide Flooding and Sea Level Rise Resilience by Senator Broder, which passed unanimously. The House Companion, HB 7053, also passed unanimously this week in the Senate Affairs, or excuse me, the State Affairs Committee. And an amendment was adopted that expands the responsibilities of the Chief Resilience Officer to work with local government entities and fact waived in support of both bills. Then we had the PFOS bill, which is 1475, by Representative McClure, which passed unanimously in its last committee, State Affairs, fact waived in the support of the bill. An amendment was adopted that directs DEP to adopt statewide cleanup levels for PFAS in drinking water, groundwater, and soil using criteria only if the EPA does not finalize standards for PFAS in drinking water, groundwater, and soil by January 1st, 2025. And a comparable bill, Senate Bill 7012, is scheduled for its last committee stop on February 28th. And then last but not least, we have a couple updates on broadband. So that was Senate Bill 1800 by Senator Boyd, which passed unanimously. And an an important amendment was adopted, which removed the application of $100 million in in federal funding from the Coronavirus Capital Projects Fund for the Broadband Pole Replacement Trust Fund, which is created by a linked bill, Senate Bill 1802, which also passed unanimously. And then we also had the amendment which removed $400 million for the Opportunity Grants Program. Thank you, Shiloh. And on that last one, uh, on the broadband bill, of course, we've been tracking those closely. Uh, It's important to note that with the funds coming out, it allow uh, the Department of Economic Opportunities Office of Broadband to focus on the state strategic plan that will come due in June and the state grant plan that'll be uh, required to be submitted to the federal government by September. So at this point, we do have a broadband bill that will be heard in its last committee on Monday in the Senate. However, in the House, there is still one more committee stop and it's unclear whether the Commerce Committee will meet again. So this bill uh, might be meeting a slow fate of not being heard in all of its committees, but we'll stay tuned and be sure to track that as it goes. And on the other couple bills, you know, one that we haven't talked before is on that food insecurity issue. And and FAC had adopted a guiding principle to address those food deserts. So we're hoping to see those, they're identical bills. So we're hoping to see those cross the finish line here in the last two weeks. And on PFAS, you know, that amendment, it did did the two things. It, It moved the date back to 2025. So that's an additional, you know, time for local governments not to receive those enforcement letters uh, on the liability side. And it it created this uh, process by which um, either the EPA or DEP will make the rules. And if it's DEP, uh, those rules will need to be ratified by the legislature. So uh, PFAS, food insecurity, resiliency, broadband, everything there, a lot of issues moving forward. Sounds great, Jeff. Let's hope they turn deserts into dessert. Thanks, Bob. Always appreciate that feedback. All right, we've gotten through the rundowns. And of course, we're going to move into our biggest segment. Bob, are you ready for 
Does that mean that the sheriff brings a budget plan to the county commission, the county commission uh, negotiates with the with the sheriff, they approve the budget plan, but once it's approved, does that mean that the sheriff can just throw away the, the budget plan and set his own priorities? I think that's absolutely the case. He could say in his budget plan, he's gonna spend it for one thing, he could move it into another, after it's approved and he can come back the next year and say, hey, guess what? I still need for that same first thing with no transparency on what happened to the prior year appropriation. Wow. That's almost like our mic drop moment. That was one big thing. We've got more big things around here, though, this week. Eddie, what was happening this week for your one more big thing? All right, Jeff, thanks. Uh, the one big thing for me this week was sovereign immunity. Uh, we had Senate Bill 974 uh, was taken up in the Rules Committee. And it was substantially amended, uh, as you recall, in uh, community affairs, uh, that bill was amended to provide for a $1 million, $3 million uh, cap uh, for sovereign immunity. So that means $1 million per person, $3 million per incident or occurrence. Well, the Senate redid itself uh in in the rules committee by adopting a tiered approach for sovereign immunity and the the tiers are basically uh, there's three levels to the tiers uh the first level involves counties and municipalities under 50,000 people and also that cap that that tier applies to state universities public colleges, 
uh, subdivisions that are uh, not within uh, a county or municipality and other entities that are covered by uh, sovereign immunity but are also not within a county or municipality. And the cap for the, under that tier is current law caps, 200,000 per person and 300,000 per incident. The second tier involves uh, counties and cities with populations between 50,000 and 250,000 persons. Uh, and that includes constitutional officers. Uh, and the cap is increased for those entities to a level of 3,000 per person and 400,000, uh, or I should say, 300,000 per person and 400,000 uh, per incident. And then the biggest category of all is for those uh, counties and cities that are, um, and that includes also the state and its agencies uh, for populations over 250,000, the caps are raised to a, a, the level of 400,000 per person and 600,000 per incident. So um, this is a, you know, uh, one of the arguments against this is that it violates equal protection, that somehow the lives of people or the injuries of, of people are um, worth less in a small area of the state as opposed to our larger urban centers um, because of the differentials in in the caps um, the other the other part of the bill uh, there's uh, is that if you have uh, multiple sovereign entities that are liable for a particular incident then the total liability of all the entities involved cannot exceed the amount for uh, the entity with the highest liability uh, limit. So that means that if you have a, take for example, a small county uh, that's contiguous to a larger county and um, an incident occurs where both entities are sued and are found liable by a jury, the liability for that, for that smaller county would rise to the level of the larger county because they have the highest liability limit. Um, so uh, that's also in the bill. Uh, the bill also includes some of the, uh, the, the statutory uh, waivers for the statute of limitations and statute of repose for um, injuries due to a sexual battery. Uh, that's been kind of in the bills uh, all, all the way through. And it is also included in uh, this version that passed from the Rules Committee. Um, the bill is effective October 1st, 2022, to coincide with the uh, fiscal year for local governments. And the new limits would apply only to those claims that arise on or after that effective date. And that is it for me, Jeff. Back to you. Thanks, Eddie. And, and Bob, do you got anything to add there? 
Nope. Uh, I will not. I'll be immune from the conversation on Southern immunity. That is, I could not add anything to the great work that Eddie did. Good answer. Deferring to, oh. to, to Eddie. I just, Absolutely. I do want to add one more thing uh, because the House bill... Uh, House Bill 985 by Representative Beltran was on the Judiciary Committee agenda. And what happened? Uh, but before the committee meeting actually started, uh, the chair announced that that bill was um, temporarily postponed, even though Representative Beltran was a is a member of the Judiciary Committee and actually was sitting in committee while that announcement was being made. So that brings up an interesting issue. There is one more Judiciary Committee left. Uh, It's on Monday, and we'll have to see whether or not it makes the agenda uh, on Sunday Sunday evening. The good old day 45 rule, 24-hour notice period. We'll, We'll see if that makes it. Well, let's hope temporarily postponed turns into permanently postponed. Oh, that was a great update. Eddie, how about you, Jeff? Don't you have... I do, Bob. I've got one big thing, and it's not broadband this week, but it's another technology issue that we've been tracking all session long on cybersecurity. There is House Bill 7055, uh, which is being introduced by uh, both the State Administration Committee, but also Representative Gia Lombardo. Um, This bill has a few different components, but uh, really the overall goal here is to set up a state process for cybersecurity training and standards. So um, both state agencies and local governments will be required with the Florida uh, Digital Service uh, will develop a basic cybersecurity training curriculum for local government employees. All local government employees with access to the local government's network must complete the basic cybersecurity training within 30 days after commencing employment and annually thereafter. And and local governments will also be required to adopt cybersecurity standards that safeguard its data, information technology, and information technology resources to ensure availability, confidentiality, and integrity. So it is a little open-ended here on what the standards are. They're gonna be uh, needing to uh, uh, be in compliance with the NIST uh, cybersecurity framework, and in these standards, you know, uh, uh, you know, there there's some reporting uh, summaries for when uh, a local government uh, has an, a cybersecurity incident or a ransomware incident. So uh, the bill creates a five-tiered level of severity for incident reporting, with local governments and state agencies being needed to uh, r- uh, report a summary of facts date of the most recent backup of their data, you know, what type of data was compromised in the in the incident, the, the potential estimated impact, if it is ransomware, how much they paid in a ransom or what their the ransom demand was, um, because they couldn't pay a ransom under this bill. This bill also uh, creates a prohibition on paying a ransom. The, the Florida House and it looks like the, the whole legislature is taking a stand um, against what they're saying, you know, wanting to take a stand against terrorists, we're not going to negotiate with them and pay them a ransom. Um, and, and again, the last part is that they have to have a statement requesting or declining assistance to the Cybersecurity Operations Center 
under uh, the Florida Digital Service and the FDLE Cybercrime Office. Um, you know, the, these while this is a mandate, there is a lot of money uh, in the state budget right now, um, over $70 million specifically for this local government uh, training and standards, but also another $100 million that the state is setting aside to set up this framework, framework with uh, the University of South Florida and Cyber Florida, um, who's taking the lead on the academic side uh, here in Florida. Um, you know, this is something that we did weigh in support in committee. Uh, there's a lot of uh, support for local governments included in the bill and in the budget. Um, and it will also provide an additional responsibility to the Florida Cybersecurity Advisory Council, which is of course headed up by Lieutenant Governor Nunez, uh, to advise counties and municipalities on cybersecurity, including cyber threats, trends, and best practices. So the state is taking a more active role in including local governments in its cyber approach. Um, you know, the weakest link of the system could, you know, could be a, a small city or um, a, you know, or a county or a state agency. So we want to make sure that everybody, all uh, aspects of our infrastructure network that guard our critical infrastructure are on the same level playing field and have the same types of standards. Uh, so we will be watching that one. It, the Senate Bill 1670 by uh, Senator Hudson got to delete all this morning that matches the House bill. So we'll be looking towards conference to see if the money in the Senate, which was unfortunately non-existent, uh, we won't want to see that money come up to the level of the House that uh, has prioritized this issue. And, you know, that is my one big thing for this week, Bob. Jeff, are you saying that we, we have a chance for the very rarely seen funded mandate, right. albeit with grants? Right. So, and they're using grant money uh, through uh, the state share of the American Rescue Plan. So this is money coming from the feds. And of course, that money came Biden the Biden bucks, Santa dollars, whatever you want to call it, um, that could be used uh, as an allowable expense under the state or local fiscal recovery uh, share that we've all received. Can't remember the last time I saw one of those. Okay. We've gone through the rundown. We've gone through one big thing. Got a couple of announcements this week. Of course, it was Hillsborough County Day. We had the pirate ship, Gasparilla folks up, tossing Cubans out to the good people. Uh, Ebor City type Cuban yeah. sandwiches with a little bit of salami. Yeah, the original Cuban sandwich. That's correct. Uh, and, and it was also FAMU Day at the Capitol. Uh, I know we had some Rattler love in the office here this week. Um, but of course, we're, we're, we're winding things down. Sorry, the, the legislature's winding things down. Uh, committees are wrapping up. We still don't have budget allocations per silo, so there's no budget conference this week, weekend. Uh, so we will stay tuned on that front. What else, Eddie, what else should we expect as we go down the last uh, two weeks here? Well, we're looking forward to uh, budget discussions as next week is the eighth week and next weekend we can expect to be loaded with budget conference so budget time is here and get we your rest. are going to be get your rest this weekend Eat because next weekend we're going to be up and about for long times 
And of course, as always, we're going to have a lot of downtime as well as we wait for the five minute committees and the discussion in between. And we've got to make sure Bob doesn't have any balls to juggle in that downtime. He's going to know he's going to find a way to, to fill it with. Hey, got to keep one in the air. Only rule for juggling one, though, it's got to be in the air. Feels like the last two weeks when you're juggling because you never know from out of thin air what new issue is going to come up. Pop up as an amendment. Everything that was too good to be filed in the bill or amended in the committee shows up in those last two weeks on the floor. Right. So stay so, close to your your phones. We'll look for those amendments. I don't know. We will be. Our whole team, the analysts, will be too. And, and Bob, as always, we always uh, wrap this up with a quote of the week. What do we got? All right. This week it's going to be from the gambler, Mr. Kenny Rogers. You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and always know when to run. And with that, that's the it. That's it for this week's edition of Fackish. We'll see you next week. Fack out. <laughs>